Welcome to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I am your host, Donnie Mae. This is the monthly show focused on building conversations around the team-based model approach to athletic performance, strength and conditioning, sports medicine, sports science, mental health and wellness, and sports nutrition. Hello and welcome back to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Mabe. And man, we are well into the fall semester. And this month, we finally have connected with a good friend and colleague uh, that we're going to introduce in just a second. But Coach Joe, what is going on? Coach Joe Krosick, the co-host, is in the house. What's up, Joe? So not too much. Fall is great. I love the fall. That's when it starts getting cooler, as uh, everyone probably knows by now. I can't stand the heat. So, um, and the best thing about the fall is all the major sports. If, if you're a fan of like professional sports, that's when they're all really uh, going at the same time. So it's a good, it's a good time of year. That's awesome. Yeah, fall is definitely uh, it's a fun time. It's a busy time, but yeah, I agree. I like the cooler weather myself. So, with that, let's introduce our guest, Coach. Scott Caulfield is on the, the show today. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you for making time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited. I've seen you. I've listened to it. So it's really an honor to be invited on. Appreciate you. Well, we know you are crazy busy up there, I'm sure, at, at Norwich uh, with everything you got going on. So we appreciate you making time for the show. Of course. No, happy to do it. Coach, so before we get into your resume, how long now have you been at Norwich? You're you just I'm coming up on a year, right? It's just barely. Yep. August 2nd was one year. So we just we just passed the year mark here back back in Vermont. Coach, what's been your favorite thing before we get into this that you've enjoyed about this transition? What what's been the favorite thing? Uh, you know, it's it's literally home. So I grew up here. Uh we used there used to be a ski hill across the street from the university uh that they got rid of the lifts in 1993 but i learned how to ski here in third grade we had a ski program in my at my school i came to norwich every week and in the winter learned how to ski i went to basketball camp here every summer at casey jones basketball school um back in plumley armory right over here where i walk by every single day so it's just literally coming back home it's two towns over from where i grew up at uh so you know, it's not like when you move to a new job, a new city, and you have to figure out all uh, groceries or stores to go to or whatnot. And, you know, I have friends from high school. And so I immediately have a friend and support group and all my old stomps and, and like I know my way around. So, yeah, it was just that was the coolest part for sure. Yeah, that's uh, one thing, Coach, I've noticed. It just that seems like a dream come true. Uh, so congratulations on your new director role there. Thank up you. At home. Uh, just a quick little uh, snippet about Coach, my uh, relationship with him, and then I'm going to let Joe kind of get into his career path and all that. But just, I think it was 2011, 2010 range, um, I got connected to Coach Caulfield through the NSCA, and I had never met Coach before, but just from from the very first interaction, Coach, you have been so gracious to me. You've been super kind, uh, very just open arms. And just a true professional. So I have had nothing uh, but the utmost respect and admiration for you, the job you do, your career path, and the influence. I know you've had a good influence on me. So just want to tell everybody that before we let Joe kind of get into your career path. So, Coach, keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
Yes, sir. So with that, Joe, kick us off. Let's get into it. So Coach Caulfield uh, currently is a director at Norwich University. He's a native of Vermont and served in the United States Navy before getting into strength and conditioning from 2006 to 2008. He was the head strength and conditioning coach and director of camps for the back-to-back American Basketball Association champions, the Forest Frost Heaves. So I hope I said that right. Um, from 2008 to 2011, Coach Caulfield served as an assistant strength and conditioning coach at Dartmouth College, working primarily with football, men's and women's swimming, and the rugby teams. In 2011, Coach Caulfield became the head coach of the National Strength and Conditioning Association, also known as NSCA, uh, all the way to 2019. And then from 2019 to 2021, he's the director of strength and conditioning at Colorado College. And now uh, from there, he's he's currently at Norwich, like I previously mentioned. Uh, and then he earned his bachelor's degree in physical education from Castleton University in 2000 and a master's in sports coaching from the University of Denver in 2017. So, Coach, you and I are fellow Pios. Uh, I graduated in 2021. So same nice. program. Um, thank you. Thank you. So uh, we both know Dr. G. Yeah, uh, so my first, uh, my first question for you is first of all, how, how's it going? And second, are you ready for the, uh, the chaos of the fall season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready. Uh, the, the nice thing is we get a, we get a kind of a slow roll here in division three, right? So uh, we've, we've slowly football back came back on the 10th and today was my first day with men's soccer and everybody's kind of slowly rolling back. So the nice thing about the fall for me is we kind of slowly ease back into it. Um, again, at a small place where we've got a lot of teams, uh, it could be overwhelming, but the way that it works out, actually the fall is a nice little ramp up kind of to get, get back into the the routines and the, the swing of things. So no, I'm, I'm excited for the fall. I'm excited for some of our athletic teams. I know we're going to be really good. Uh, so it's just exciting to be back and, and just get that energy, you know, cause I can tell a lot of the athletes and, uh, all of our kids are coming back. All of our student athletes are super psyched and fired up and we're new. My staff is new. So like, they're super excited to get back with us, which is really good. The support we have from our athletes and coaches is, is really unparalleled in my career that I've had here. That's awesome. Well, I know I just read your bio, but first, can you just tell us a bit about yourself, you know, where it all began and kind of give us some insight as to how you got into strength and conditioning. Yeah. Well, again, it's kind of, it's kind of a cool part of this story um, that, you know, Donnie was just asking about, but um, so I was in the military. Then when I got out of the military, I went back to college to get my bachelor's degree. Um, I decided to go physical education with a non-teaching track because I didn't, I really just wanted to be done school and get into the workforce. Like student teaching would have been another year, et cetera. So it was much more health and fitness related in my non-teaching track. Um, and I got into, you know, a fitness center type gym right off the bat, um, and again, I won't tell you the entire full story, but through that process of working in a commercial gym and being a personal trainer and starting to work with some athletes, uh, I actually, my first ever team that I worked with was the Norwich rugby team uh, in 2003. So it was kind of funny. I was doing like a class for um, uh, one of the owners of the gym. His wife was a teacher. So we would do some classes for some schools sometimes. Right. And so we did this little class for a third or fourth grade class. And then after that, this guy came up to me and started talking to me. 
So he was the rugby coach at Norwich University and just said, hey, you know, I like this kind of fitness stuff. I'm really wondering if we could if you could do it on a bigger scale and do it with a rugby team. And I don't even know if I actually knew what rugby even was, but I was like, yeah, totally. We could do this, you know, and and that led me to having the opportunity to work with his team uh, here in Norwich. And he's still here. So he's on year 22 now as the as the men's rugby coach here. Uh, and he's been obviously a huge supporter of mine. It was he and helping me get back here, I think, you know, behind the scenes a little too. Um, but that that was, again, a really full circle moment for me getting back here. Um it all kind of snowballed once I started training athletes. Like I knew that was where I wanted to try and stay and focus my um, career. But I also know, I knew that I didn't know enough or, you know, that I didn't, I hadn't really worked in enough settings. So um, I was lucky enough to be able to try and volunteer at University of Vermont with Paul Goodman, who was there at the time. Um, and then I had an opportunity to go to a private facility called the River Valley Club, which is down in Lebanon, New Hampshire. Um, and that was an opportunity that I saw the people, the trainers there, it was a lot of personal training. And, um, I think sometimes we can get on a pedestal and strength conditioning, you know, all personal trainers, you know, we hold our nose up, but uh, I knew that some of these people were so skilled and so good at what they did that I was going to learn a lot from them and be able to uh, step up my game by going to work with these people just because of the knowledge they had and, I went down there and worked with them and that's exactly what happened. I, you know, I picked up a lot of new experience and education. And at the same time, I was able to start volunteering at Dartmouth college with the football team. And that just snowballed into working with football and, and swimming. And so it was kind of the perfect storm of, you know, beat really getting that experience that I needed. Um, and it was just, you know, it was great. That was kind of early on too, where I was starting to get involved with the NSCA and I was, you know, meeting people and I went to events and people kind of, you know, people, my first experiences in the NSCA was very, um, very positive and very supportive. People, uh, you know, invited you to go hang out after the sessions were over or told you, Hey, want to come get a drink with us? And they just wanted to talk, talk shop and network. And they were super willing, you know, the people that I've met. And I think that's obviously why I try and do the things I do for other people too now about, I've had so much support in the organization and like, Hey, this is how I, this is how I became whatever chairman of this committee, right. President of the board of directors, whatever that people that I've met have been an open book with how they got to where they got. And so they were very adamant. And so I tried to follow that pathway and and I had a, you know, an opportunity to go to the headquarters and work, which was just awesome because um, it's, you know, it's literally kind of the mothership and, you know, I, uh, I joke around and I say this cause Jay Dawes, who's, um, uh, some of you may know as a researcher and a professor of exercise science, and he was on the board of directors for the NSCA, but he had worked there too. He was the education director before I got there. And he told me that when you go to work at the NSCA, it's like finding out that Santa Claus isn't real for the first time. Um, and, and it is, it's a funny analogy but like what you realize is like it's just it's just a bunch of regular people like just trying to trying to do a job for a massive organization right and we have all these preconceived notions or whatnot of we think i think you know we used to joke that people thought that 
you know, that's why I, I think my social media presence grew at the NSCA because I think people thought most of the time it was people in lab coats, coats walking around with goniometers and measuring uh, joint angles and, you know, getting force plate data. And like, that was the farthest thing. Or, yeah, and then they were writing it in the journal immediately and it was just publishing into these journals that were going out, right? Um, so to give people a glimpse inside of what the real NSCA, you know, looks like it's real strength coaches, it's real people, uh, that, that are just trying to do a great job for the membership. And so that, that was a cool experience. So, you know, the, you can't take back the, all the different things, right. I met hundreds of coaches, uh, like you guys and, and from high school to professional, um, and was able to still train athletes in our performance center and work with the, the gamut from youth athletes to the Colorado Springs police SWAT team to the Chinese national team for short track speed skating. Uh, you know, the, the, probably the best experience of my entire career came out of that time in 2014, uh, the USOC asked us to help. And I got to train the U S Paralympic sled hockey team in their preparation for the Sochi Paralympic games. I had a quick question for you. So this is obviously your second go around at, at Norwich. Yeah. 20 plus years, what has changed in you from then? Obviously, that's a long, what comes top uh, of your mind when you start talking about growth and changes? Like what, what, what has changed in you? Oh man, I'm, I'm definitely, it's funny that you say that uh, because I was thinking about it actually uh, in this last session when I was talking to my soccer coach. I and we're, I know we're going to talk about Foucault later too. So uh, it's something that makes me kind of laugh. Is that I am I am much less rigid. I'm much more flexible. Um, you know, I say a lot. I, I say this to people a lot in our in the in our strength conditioning world that everything works and nothing works forever. And you know, and I feel very strongly about that. Where I think younger me uh, would never have been like that. And I'll say the other example of my just flexibility and like being less rigid here. This is a military college, one of the six senior military colleges. Um, you know, they have rigidity and discipline built into every facet of their life all day long, every day. And so I actually err on the probably the, the lesser side of that nowadays, right? The I'm much more on the like less flexible, less organized kind of, we may do some free flowing things more often just uh, because they have so much rigidity and discipline. And, and so for instance, today in our uh, men's soccer lift, I wrote squat was, was the main movement. And I didn't, I intentionally wrote squat because I want to give, I give them the option of uh, the squat variation that they feel comfortable with. Uh, we only have two new guys on that team. So it's all returners. They were all with me last year. And so it, you know, it was great. Cause one of them was like, came up to me cause we haven't seen him all summer and just said, Hey coach, I can front squat. Right. And I said, yep, exactly. Like, that's why I wrote squat. You can pick, you can pick front or back. And so I don't think that Scott, Caulfield 20 years ago, you know, I was, I was, everybody's doing the same thing and right. We're probably going to do it on a timer and everybody's going to be in unison. Like, and now, uh, you know, I'm just much more, and I, and I get way more out of every single athlete and session by that approach than I did with the other way. Guarantee it. Yeah. You're going to, I love that because you're going to get not only buy-in, but you're going to build that relation and collaboration with the athletes. So that's that's 
Yeah, hundred percent. I was joking with my soccer coach too, because he, uh, so there's another cool thing that here is my soccer coach had a good friend of mine who is a director of strength and conditioning at a power five school now, but she was his strength coach when he was in college and he played, um, at soccer at North, uh, Boston college or Northeastern when he was in college. But anyway, I was joking with him. I was like, Hey, so-and-so would lose their mind if they, if they saw me say, you can choose which squat you want to do, wouldn't they? (laughs) But he, and he even knows, but he said, but yeah, he goes, but someone like me, I probably shouldn't be doing either one. And I've seen like, and now that he's older and I'm like, yes, you're right, coach. You should not, you shouldn't have a bar on your back. (laughs) How many, uh, how many of the kids look at that and say like, just have like a glitch glitch in the system and like, Oh man, I get to choose when I get to choose. Yeah. I think yeah. that's been, you know, that's been a little bit new too for them. Uh, especially again, I won't say much about it, but the, the person that pre- preceded me here, um, you know, I've had a lot of success based on the, the experience with the person that was just here. I may, you know, I, I my methods and, um, kind of everything under the sun that I bring to the table are so different in a good way um, that, you know, it's been really easy to get the buy-in that I wanted just by being a little bit more flexible and being open and listening. And, you know, one of the kids last year was like, he doesn't even yell. Like he was, he was motivating us and like everybody was fired up and he didn't yell. I actually couldn't hear him at one point because the music was too loud. You know, it was funny. Yeah. I, I hate yelling, but I mean, there's I'm like, well, I, I want them to hear me. Yeah. <laughs> right. so, yeah so yeah. sometimes I feel like I'm yelling, but yeah, no, it, it is, it is kind of funny how there's like a perception of what, you know, we're supposed to be. Um, right. And we'll, we'll, like you said, we'll get in that when we get the Foucault, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's funny. They see that and they kind of like freeze up. You're like, Whoa, what? He's not yelling. I get to pick my squat. Oh right. man. <laughs> what, what, what do I do? I don't know what to do with yeah. my hands. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, coach, I was going to ask you, so as a fellow veteran, um, what are some of the accomplishments or leadership qualities you attribute to your military career? What makes you successful now? Yeah, you know, I like that uh, a lot. I think the military, even though I didn't realize that at the time, like the things that I learned in the military, um, little things, right? Like attention to detail and self-discipline have carried over throughout, right? I mean, they joke around, right? That uh, rear admiral, uh, McRaven, right? It was the UT commencement commencement uh, back a few years ago, right? When he talked about making your bed, you know, yep. and it's like I'm I make my bed every single day. Like that's been ingrained in me from the get go. And I think in the Navy too, like I was kind of like I kind of joked, like laughed to myself because I was like, man, boot camp is so easy. People like talk about boot camp, and you like might worry about it being hard or not, and. Uh, it was so easy. We just folded clothes and marched the whole time. Right. And I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, this is, this is what, like, what are they teaching us now? What I realized was they're teaching us self-discipline yeah. and attention to detail. And the funny kind of full circle stories, the first day I got to my ship that I reported as a brand new guy, uh, it was on like a Friday. And so they didn't have anything for us to do. Right. So they're, they put us on like a fire watch. Right. And for people that don't know what that is, is they basically someone is like welding on a floor or somewhere above you and they're stick you down there in case a fire breaks out. Right. And so 
here's me day one on the ship and no clue what I'm doing. And I could have just paid no attention. Right. But I mean, I'm pretty new and like, I've learned all this attention detail. Why, why? And, and it comes full circle when you realize, and all of a sudden I'm sitting there bored to death. Right. Cause I don't know what I'm doing. And then I see this spark come out of the ceiling, like, and then a bigger spark. And then it's like fires coming out of it. And I was like, Whoa. And I, you know, I had the thing, I was ready. I had the fire extinguisher. And so right there, psh, I put it out and like I messaged uh, one of the guys. I think they were like, thought that I didn't know what I was talking about. And they were like, this boot camp guy just put out a fire on his first day. Right. And like the thing, <laughs> the, 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 my point of that is like in, in the big picture, those things seem like nothing, right. Putting all the 10 pound plates back where the tens go and the 25s where the 25s go and the 45s where the 45s go and all the bands hanging in the same place the same color doesn't seem to make a big difference but like in the bigger scheme of things when you're in the fleet or the uh, field and you realize that not paying attention to detail to those little things people could end up dying right someone walks into a tail rotor and then they're not alive anymore so like the the light uh switch flicked on for me about that kind of stuff in, early on because of the military experience and and I think that's really what I, especially being at a military college, it's easier for me to tell those stories, right, uh, mm -hmm. about that experience I had and why, you know, why does the weight room look like this, right? It, for me, it's that like, are you going to be the, are you going to be able to show up at meetings on time or class on time if you can't put your bar, your rack back together the way that you found it, right? Or put that bench back uh, and not leave it out sideways. Like, you know, are you going to be able to turn your paper in on time or like be a, you know, good student? So I think those little things, being able to get those light bulbs to start turning on and off, like that was where I really found um, the the value in it and, and just those little things. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a handful of veterans that are trying to even get into this field, you know, a lot more than I thought there'd be. I've met a lot of our own interns that have been the Marines, Army, so on and so forth, you know, and it's it's tough to get in the field, even as someone who has a bachelor's degree, like going through like the um, like the generic pipeline of, of becoming a strength coach. So, you know, say hypothetically, if you're sitting in front of a sailor or Marine right now who wants to become a strength coach, you know, what advice or tips would you give them in completely switching their careers and moving into this field like we did? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting too, because now, right, I have the opportunity um, to work with a lot of uh, uh, student athletes or just regular students that aren't athletes yet or not athletes here at Norwich that are commissioning into the military. And so, you know, I, I've been trying to tell them about education certification and pathways in, in how you might do that. So I think, you know, if you're a current uh, service member that is looking at it, obviously you have benefits that will support continuing education. So you've got a great opportunity if you're in the full-time uh, military, you know, to, to pursue the education certification that you need to back up your career. But also depending on where you are, you know, if, if you can, you've got a great opportunity because you have a, a a full-time paying job, go volunteer or just go hang out, you know, connect with some, some program somewhere or, or a program that you want to be involved with and, and see if they'll let you just shadow, you know, maybe it's not going to be volunteering. I think you need to, you know, you need to get in that setting and see if it really is for you, right? If you show up 
and people are screaming at everybody and that's really crazy. You may find out that like, man, this is not for me, right? Or or like, wow, those guys, wait, they were in there like seven days a week? What What is that all about, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think it gives you a good opportunity, you know, f- feel it out a little before you, you know, decide to go in. So I think those opportunities and, you know, obviously the, like I said, with having resources to pay for certification, I get education, getting that stuff set up. Um, the way I look at it here too, is for our folks that are going to be officers, like if they can get the skills and education to learn better about how strength and conditioning works, like they're going to be better at being an officer in the military because they're going to have that knowledge base and not just do something because, well, we've always done it that way, or that's the, that's what those guys said to do. Right. Um, so the more I think we can prepare them, especially because the military is now taking it so serious, right? It's not just special units, special operations units that are getting high performance coaching teams. It's all the way drilled down into the big army and Navy, Air Force. It's going across the board into these high performance. The H2F is what the army calls it, right? With their mm-hmm. high performance teams, they're about to roll out a whole nother, I think, a uh, bunch of bases in 23. So like they're going to be hiring all kinds of more ATs, strength coaches, sports nutrition. So, you know, really kind of just giving them a, a, a big picture of the landscape. And, and I think it's important too, to be able to tell them about the differences in division one versus division three, right? You know, I will tell you that the, the summer in division three is, is the, is a good gig, man. It is. It's a good life. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's so true what you said too, about how, you know, go, go check it out. Go try to use your time wisely to, to see if you actually like it. Cause when I was, I was still in at about, Oh, six months left and, uh, coach Melissa Schmitz here at Texas. I was talking to her at the time and she, I was in Seattle. She linked me up with the staff at uh, Washington and, uh, I went and just did a job shadow and, uh, coincidentally, a bunch of the staff had interned at Texas and stuff like that. So there's a lot of connection there, but that going in that day made me want it even more. I mean, I, I came home and my wife was like, how'd it go? I was like, I have to do this, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta make it happen. So, um, yeah, it could, it could really change like your, your vision going forward and maybe even drive you. Yeah. I'd yeah say, I, um, to, to add to that, to Scott, you and Joe, you know, um, we've had over the years, we've had some military guys intern here and some most of them really haven't always worked out. Um, I think there's various reasons for that. I think to your point, Joe, you know, being able to pivot in your career, it definitely is, I think, very situational, right? Depending on how old you are, if you have a family, um, you know, what your wife does for a living, what kind of money you need. So there's definitely some situational stuff there, but um, Scott, that's encouraging to hear that they've got those bases opening up because we do, we need more, more individuals in this profession, you know, and, and it's good to have more opportunities than just in the college or the pro or, or high school setting. So I think the more opportunities it is, the more it helps the career feel grow and get better. But, um, I mean, Joe, Joe, when Joe got here though, he changed, he broke the mold for us, Scott. I mean, he, <laughs> he knocked it out the park and just was a natural fit. He was a guy that not only enjoyed the physical culture piece of it, but he was really into, what it would take to develop an athlete. So I think sometimes that's those two, two key components are huge. So for sure. Wow, that's great. 
little change of gears on topics for you, Coach Caulfield. Um, you've had definitely a very successful career up to this point. Uh, would you just take a little bit of time and, and talk about your time at the NSCA and kind of maybe touch on some highlights and accomplishments from your time there that you felt like made a difference across this profession? Um, yeah, that's a great question. It, it was such a great time, I think, for me to grow and evolve. Um, and, and the position grew and evolved while I was there. You know, um, I started uh, when I first started there, I was an education coordinator. Uh, I worked in a in a cube in the second floor. Like I was only coaching a couple hours a week, you know, three hours a week, maybe in the performance center. And those first few months, I was like, what did you do? Like, how could you, what, why did you leave full-time coaching to come do this? You know, like what, a, what really rethinking my process and one thing led to another, right. And, uh, experience and, and, um, you know, having the background and experience I had, I was able to get, become the interim uh, basically interim head strength coach after only being there six months. And so, you know, everything happens for a reason. And that, that first, you know, ability to chance transform into that job, but you know, the basis of the NSCA is educational. So you always have your hand in some sort of education. And, and that's really a cool piece of it is like, we used to host a lot of symposiums for uh, NSCA China and Japan. And so they would bring groups over and you'd be able to interact with those people. I went to Japan twice. I was able to present there, went to China once, um, you know, to be able to have that opportunity as a strength conditioning coach and, and still be doing stuff that's related, you know, and it's educational. It makes, it gets you better. Right. And we've heard that, or we know people, right. That if you can explain concepts to a third grader or whatever, right. When you can fully understand the concepts that you can talk about in front of a group, you know, that's where you're just becoming better and better. So that was super cool. Um, also, you know, that it evolved too, in that, um, John Jost, who was uh, at Florida State, you know, he was an associate AD there for sports performance. He became he was on the board of directors in my early time at the NSCA, and him and Boyd really uh, wanted to push me out, uh, get outside of the weight room more. Right? They wanted me in front of coaches on a national level more because they really felt that we had to get the get college strength coaches, especially back to the organization. And, you know, and I was basically, I wasn't too comfortable with like being kind of a new face of the NSCA or, you know, my, my uh, ex, she, her dad used to call me the spokesperson. And I, I kind of laughed because it was actually a pretty good like synopsis of who I was for them. Right. But um, I was like, I don't know, like I should probably just coach, right? Like that's what I'm good at. And they were like, no, you need to go to this and you need to go to that. And and it's probably the best thing that ever happened to my career. And I think when I talk to people now in a kind of looking back and reflecting role, I, I feel really good when a lot of them say, man, coaches came back during the time that you were there, you know, and it wasn't obviously, I wasn't the sole re reason for it. We were doing the right things, whether that be the info we were putting out, the events we were holding, the, you know, the ways that we were connecting with coaches. Uh, I was just able to be a piece of that puzzle, but like that is what I probably feel the best about 
is uh, the amount of connection that the NSCA, you know, got back to with with our core member group. And and so again, I was joking with Donnie earlier about, you know, I like I hope to someday be the president of the NSCA, you know, and like that will really be, you know, becoming full circle to to having done everything under the sun there. And many, many of the volunteers started out like that, you know, you're your state director and on committees and you know hopefully the progression can get you to the board of directors where you can make an even bigger impact so i felt like being on the inside i i owed it to strength conditioning coaches to do the best you know and and i had to do it from my lens so i had to think of hopefully this is going to make the most bang for our buck across the board but i think you know we had a lot of successes in those those areas and especially kind of re-engaging the strength coach and attracting the strength coaches back to the NSCA, um, you know, I just really felt, think that's kind of my best, best uh, laurels from the time there. Well, I can definitely speak to that. I mean, you, you definitely succeeded in doing that coach. So um, everything from the speaking lineup to just, again, I just think your relatability and just coming in and just being somebody, sometimes it's just neutral you know, and be able to have conversations and make people feel welcome. You've definitely done an incredible job when you were there. So thank you for doing that. So appreciate it. what about, uh, I know you got to have at least <laughs> one good Boyd Epley story. What's your best Boyd story? <laughs> oh man, Boyd is the man. Uh, we definitely, he, I think he told me more cool stories than I can ever relay. Uh, but man, we, we were training partners. I loved it. I get to, I get to call him one of my former training partners, but, um, you know, I think that like the stuff that we did at the time was just, we was so much fun there and, and he was a great person to have around. I learned so much from him just as a mentor, you know, from an administrative standpoint as anything, not necessarily. And we talked about strength and conditioning, but like, x's and o's uh you know of just being a director and like getting being able to get things done in a in different environments was incredible to have him around um you know it was really cool i i don't know my my claim to fame because he still gives me a hard time about it every time i see him is uh he ended up getting hurt training with me because he says, because I made him lift too heavy. So I don't know about, I don't know that that's a fact or not. And then he had to have a, a surgery on his neck at one point down the road. So I don't know if that's a good, that's not necessarily a good story, but he still brings it up. So he's still thinking about it. <laughs> he's a, I mean, that's a cool story. I ran into him uh the conference recently. He still lifts pretty hard, dude. He's what, he, he does. Yeah. Seventies, isn't he? Yeah. He, I think he squatted. 405 on his 75th birthday this past year That's and, yeah, yeah yeah amazing he's, he's still been, walking the talk yeah i i don't want to be squatting that much uh, that just makes me tired thinking about it no, no. <laughs> um, coach what are some gaps in the field that you kind of maybe even saw back then or even today you would like to see improve that you wish would improve any any gaps that kind of you could speak to on that yeah, I mean, I think we still have to figure out how to get the uh, our our job to be more professionalized or, or to re you know be more recognized as professional. Um, you know, there's still so much disparity in P 
people go viral on social media every time you see one. But, you know, unfortunately, we still see these full-time jobs that pay 10 grand, right? And so, like, you know, there's there's a lot of work to be done. And, uh, you know, it has to be a collaborative process. It's not just one person or organization that's going to be able to change this. You know, we're we're still pretty new. People are still really trying to figure out what strength initiating professionals do. And, you know, the ones that have levered the, the places that leverage it and use it well, you know, excel. And so I, it just, I just, we got to keep figuring out how to get that word out to the, to the smaller places, the smaller divisions, um, even the big schools that don't take care of people properly. And in, in what I would say, you know, and, I've got a ton of support here, but I'm still, I'm still, I'm still teaching them about like what you really need, because I mean, they only had one strength conditioning position here, you know, for 20 years, um, at least the last 20 years, um, there's only been one and I'm now we've doubled it to two, but I'm, you know, I'm also showing them like, well, look, you should really have you know, it should really mirror your athletic training staff if you want to be serious about this. And so it's just educating, uh, but that's a big gap. I think, you know, if, if I was on my NSCA board of director, um, president, presidential campaign right now, I would probably, you know, be hammering that one is that we need to get, uh, the pay and benefits and just the, the, repute the the reputation you know of our profession uh to be continuously taken more serious and to see to be seen as the professionals that we are since we're you know we're the ones required to have advanced certifications and advanced degrees but you know we're not always seeing the reciprocity in that from the administrators yeah that that is a that's a glaring gap and to your point, a um, lot of not just education, but almost just awareness and understanding of what uh, what our job entails. And totally. And I think to you, to I love what you said right there. To your point, with technology just taking off, right? That's really the arms race in our profession right now. Is technology? It's becoming more and more complex. You know the things you got to manage and oversee. And I think the best thing again. This is just my. 20 plus years of doing this is that our, our role is we feel a lot, we build a lot of bridges, you know, within the performance team. And I know we're not the only one that does that, but, you know, we definitely can fill a lot of gaps, build a lot of bridges and the value there just isn't there yet at the level it should be, but yeah. it's just a slow moving process, but it's going to take, I agree. It's going to take more than just one or two organizations. It's going, it's going to take, um, I, I still think, I, I long for the day code. This is just my kind of dream and vision. Why well, I really, I'd be great to see it. Every, or every institution on the executive administration that you're at the table making decisions on salaries, you know, reporting lines, that you have a strength coach on every one of those seats, you know, because if you don't, then, you know, we're, we're going to get left out. So that's just how it works, unfortunately. Totally agree. Yeah, so we had Dr. Garrity on a, a couple months ago and really dug into uh, society and sports and really kind of more focused on the coach-to-athlete perspective of Foucault. But you have an article on the social construction of strength and conditioning coach knowledge and practice. Uh, can you tell us more about the article? And as a director, how do you use uh, Foucault's work to develop your athletes and staff? Yeah, 
Yeah, I will say that that article still hurts my brain when I think about it. Um, (laughs) Thankfully, you know, Dr. Joe Mills, who teaches uh, in the in the sport coaching problem at sport coaching program problem. I'm thinking about Foucault. That's the other thing. Once you start going down the Foucault uh, rabbit hole, you can't come back. So it it ruins you for the way you think and the rest of your career uh, in a, in a good way. No. Yeah. I mean, that article kind of came out of a lot of work that we did in class and, and Dr. Mills uh, was the one who said, Hey, we should make this and we should publish this. And he spearheaded it and wrote, uh, you know, made it, um, cohesive enough that we could get it published but i mean, think the gist of it for me was um foucault wrote a lot about and talked about a lot about discipline uh and then how discipline in this in military and prisons and schools you know and also like transforms over into sports and how yeah. we compartmentalize things and and de- dissect things right um and like in strength and conditioning, right? Uh, you know, some some example of like the disciplinary practice that Foucault would talk about are like timetables, right? Or regulated cycles of repetition. There's timers, clocks, bells, claps, whistles, right? And they're all ways that are that we control activity. And so it's all about the control of the athlete and the the exact same robotic movement right and and not, and i get it i i get it from a tactical and technical standpoint there's certain right performance metrics and technician we have to be tactical and technical in some areas i think but i think in some places you see it on the way farther end of things um into the fact where it becomes problematic and where it's not where like are we just creating robots that can't even kind of think outside the box on their own because if you think about the nature of sport and what makes to me what makes sport so exciting is that athletes are able to use their full creativity to make plays and do things and move their body right that that they never like practiced in the weight room now sure some of the things that we do helps them in their overall performance but like they make those moves and do those things and we go wow did you see that donnie like right and and that's because of their athleticism and how they express it on their own so when we just hammer down and control and control and control so much you know that's where i see it becoming problematic and again me here at a university that is a military college. Um, they get that in their life all day long, every day of the week, right? So that weight room also for me has become, for my athletes, for a lot of them, it's a safe space that they get away from some of that. And that's why, again, I err, I'm a little bit, like I said, on the looser or the more flexible side of the scale now where I wouldn't have been before. But because I know, and even what my wrestling coach said it to me this week about, uh, he was talking about like, um, you know, wearing the same thing to work out and like different, uh, practice and stuff. And he's like, oh man, no, no, no. I give, I don't, I don't give the, I don't do anything. I don't talk about what they wear. Like I, they get that all day long. I got to give them a break from that here. Like we can't be like, you know why are you wearing that shirt? That's the gray shirt day, right? Like they have a uniform. There's a uniform of the day every day, right? So they know that that's going to be into play. So I think for me, it's, it's like recognizing some of those kind of disciplinary practices and areas that 
could be problematic um, and choosing to kind of be a little more flexible and, and allow more creative and kind of creativity in general, like take over. Yeah. I've always, I've always uh, kind of been amused by like, and I, I can, I can see it. Like if you want to try to maybe um, improve a culture of a team and get them to wear the same thing, it's you got to start somewhere. Um but yeah, I mean, there's there's times when I was in the Marines, my first unit, and they were making us put all of our magazines um, on this like the exact same way throughout the unit. And I was like, "Why would I ever want that?" <laughs> I would I, like, I, and I never enforced it. I I probably should have, and I probably could have gotten in trouble. But I was like, at the end of the day, I was like, if this guy's supposed to be shooting to cover for me, and he has to change his mag, <laughs> and he can't find his magazine because it's it's not where he like it, or it's it's right, awkward right. for him, right? Like, yeah, I want him to change fast and start you know, get me out of, get me out of a bad right, spot, you know? Right, so right, right. I, sometimes that stuff can get just so overboard, you know? And, oh yeah. And it, it's uh, kind of funny too. Like, you know, a lot of, a lot of coaches within the coaches, you know, coaches do things because that's the way it was done before, you know? And we're kind of, you kind of touch about in the article is like, you know, they're not, they're not changing it and becoming an individual on their own. So it's like, we, we do it to the athletes, but I feel like we almost do it to interns and, and young strain coaches too. Right. Right. Yeah. I caught, I caught a, I want to read this quote from your article, Scott. I thought this was so powerful to kind of link all what you guys were saying, but it says here, this is uh, the key point of Cole's work. People know what they do. Frequently they know why they do what they do, but what they don't know is what they do does. And I think that's so profound because, Joe, to your point, Scott, your point, coaches have certain ways that they think they're doing things because they've been they've had success. So that gives them, right, the reason and rhyme behind why they keep doing it. But they really don't know what it does, though. They just know right. they've had success with it. But there's so many layers to why. I mean, I remember uh, Coach Caulfield when that, my first few years at Texas um, – our men's golf coach, he had a lot of success and it ended up being one of these, one of these guys he brought in that won a big tournament um, uh, in college and in post-collegiate. And I said, man, I go, recruits make us look good coach. And he's like, no, that's not accurate. He goes, he goes, they make us better coaches. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's a difference right there. Right. When you get better athletes, now all of a sudden you're winning more people. You're the same <laughs> coach, but all yeah. of a sudden now you're a better coach because this person was successful and they attribute that to you, which again, going back to this quote here, you don't always know uh, what you do does. So I thought it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me, you know what that makes me think of is the like saying that we've all heard about um, like the best program for you is probably the one that you're not currently on. Right. It's, it's somewhere out there in the universe or whatever, but I think about it like that too, is like, I, I don't know what, it, what if, what, right. What if we somehow found out that um, I'm just making this totally up as it's a total random example. But what if we all found out that Pilates was the best way for athletes to get stronger and faster? Like how many strength coaches would just flip 
a lid because they would refuse that they were going to put Pilates into their program for whatever reason. Right. And I'm just picking on Pilates because I thought of it, but right. Like, well, we can't do that. Right. We're not going to do that with our football guys. Like, um, and so just, again, you can get so, um, just so ingrained in that dogma, whatever you want to call it, the, you know, the way we've done things and, and just, it's, that's how you do it. I mean, you right. You get in two lines and then you do your, you know, you, you jog and then you skip and then you do walking lunges. Like, why, what do you mean? You know, you don't know how to do a dynamic warm up. Well, <laughs> uh, there's plenty of ways to skin the cat. That's why I like seeing people. I don't know if you guys know Rhett Larson uh, with, I think Germany. Now he's been a lot of international volleyball teams and, and Rhett's always doing crazy like stuff off the wall with his athlete. And the thing I notice in that, right. Is everybody looks like they're having a great time while they're doing it. And that's what I see when I see stuff like that. It's like, how do we get them to get what we want to get physiologically out of it? But like there's smiles on people's faces, they're getting dialed in, they're getting ramped up and they're ready to compete. That's good stuff. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, coach, you, you work at a, uh, division three school we kind of retouched on this a little bit you know and you mentioned you have two people in your staff now uh with with as many teams as you have and two people on your staff you know how do you manage your time and maybe if you could share some of the pros and cons of working in division three versus say division one or or even professional yeah for sure so i mean i i'd say um, again, I am the first person to have a full-time assistant here. Like you said, I've had some really awesome support from the highest level, uh, since I started. So I was able to get a, a full-time assistant as kind of was part of the deal to come here that I, I said that that had to be part of me my hiring. And so they made that happen in the first semester, um, uh, we do have really small, we have old facilities and they're pretty small. So actually it, it's actually a benefit that we don't have a bigger facilities to train here because we can only train so many hours. So like, I don't necessarily find myself getting burnt out because of hours because our gym's not big enough to be open that long. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Uh, but that being said, my assistant and I basically go like morning shift, night shift to be able to open the gym for the longest period of time. Um, so she uh, is young. Uh, she's an alumni here. She played on our 2018 national championship women's hockey team. Um, so she's got great. Uh, she's the first female strength coach we've ever had here at the university, too. So it's been so huge. She's a huge hit with all of our teams and athletes. Um and so we kind of go, she goes morning shift, I go night shift and like, uh, I'm working a totally different schedule than I've really worked in my career since like the early days. So I come in at noon most days, uh, and work till about eight, um, that, you know, and that schedule has been awesome. I really enjoyed it, which is strange to me. I'm coaching more hours on the floor, but I'm having a better time than I've had in the last decade of my career doing it. And, uh, I allows me to get outside in the morning and do stuff I like to do on the mountain, uh, be outside and then come in and, and get my mind right for the work day and all the teams. Um, but those are the challenges. We have a small weight room. We have a weight room that, you know, safely fits about 35 athletes and, uh, football carries 120, whatever guys on the team. So it does, those are the challenges I'm facing. Uh, we did get the two new training lockers that we were talking about before, 
Uh, so we're opening up some auxiliary spaces and ability to train here on campus. We're talking about building new facilities, so that's good down the road. Um, we've had great support, like I said, from our sport coaches. So the supportiveness of our sport coaches, um, there was a lot of turnover here too. So I think uh, myself bringing a little bit of more experience and more kind of stability from to the position, you know, because I'm from here, they know that I'm probably not going anywhere, you know, after a year. So like, um, I, I've had, I've had a lot of buy-in across all teams that they, that they are committed to uh, what we're trying to do here and be and change things. Um, I, I joked around about D3 summers being the best. I'll still say that, especially because we're a military school, we graduate really early because we have a lot of commitments for the summer in military training. Um, so we graduate on April 30th. So like May, June, and most of July are pretty much a ghost town around here. You know, it's it's rural Vermont and it's division three. So a lot of people want to go home. Um, so it's a it's a great, great gig in the summer, and that's definitely a plus. Um, you know, our budget isn't very big, so that's definitely like, you know, uh, that's some of the things I miss from the division one level and having the, you know, extra assistance around from for sure being able to pay interns and, you know, but the good thing is, like I said, we've got a ton of support here. Coaches are willing to work with us and support us. That part's been so cool to have some really cool relationships and you know, I have some great relationships that I already had. I, one of the things I didn't mention was our our head women's hockey coach. Uh, I actually trained her when she tore ACL in high school. So just making myself feel older with that white hair here right now. But uh, so she was a big part in getting me here. And like uh, she stayed in contact. She actually did an internship with me when she was in college as an exercise science major stayed in touch with me all throughout my career. She would come, she would do a hockey camp in Colorado Springs and come, we'd grab lunch every year when she was around. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I have this great relationship with some of our sport coaches and, and I'm, I've built really cool relationships with some of the other ones. Um, I went skiing with our men's hockey coach this winter and like I was hitting on the chairlift and it was me, my head head men's hockey coach and our athletic trainer, we were all night skiing uh, one night over Christmas break. And I was like, this shit doesn't happen in division one. I'm telling you right now, like this is unreal, <laughs> right? Like we're skiing in the middle, in the middle of hockey season, we're skiing uh, uh, night skiing. Like this is awesome. So, you know, obviously it can be a downside in, in, budgets and pay and stuff like that you know i'm very adequately compensated for what i do uh, i also have gotten roped into teaching two classes so i'll teach our applications in strength and conditioning which is a 400 level basically the cscs prep class this fall and then i'll teach tactical strength and conditioning in the spring so that's a nice kind of extra perk too um to supplement the salary um and you know i think in d3 we probably have some flexibility we certainly have the time like i have alluded to 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 do some camps and clinics and stuff to help build our a budget up and so there's a lot of opportunity you know that i see it as opportunity some people probably would see it uh you know in a different light so that's just the way i have to i i try to really keep positive about it but like i said it's it's, it's a suit when you're really supported as much as we are here it's hard to not have uh you know a really positive outlook yeah, I love to hear you've got big time support. 
and then you've got the flexibility and some freedom in there to have a lifestyle that gives you fulfillment. And so, coach, I don't know. It sounds you're living a dream to me. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need to go and have that coach retreat over there and see. I bet yeah, yeah. You'll have a bunch of people come to that for sure. Right, right. I will tell you another cool quick story. So last year, uh, I went with the football team on an away trip. So we so the other cool thing, we play my alma mater, we play at Castleton University. So I was like, hey, can I come on the can I come on the trip to Castleton? And they thought it was the best thing. So he told me I was the I was the own first strength coach in 20 years to travel with his team. And then he sent me like the nicest email. Head football coach sent me the nicest email, CCing the AD, thanking me for coming to the game with them because it was my day off on a Saturday. And I shouldn't, I wouldn't have had to do that. You know, that was just something I chose to do. I mean. Uh, for me that's like those kind of little little things like him thanking me for that is worth more than getting a raise you know being valued is so key yeah yeah big joe you want to wrap us up for today yeah absolutely so coach uh before we get going uh what resources would you recommend to our listeners you know books research podcasts what what are your favorites man i am i have so many podcasts and books that i that I need to get back into reading. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I've been on more of kind of a outside the box kick, I think lately, you know, a book that I read that really spoke to me when I, I was thinking about this recently was a book by Seth Godin called the dip. And it, and it talks about it, kind of the gist of it is, is you never really know where you're at on that plateau that might just step right back up. Okay. So, um, in not knowing that you you have to know when to quit certain things and when not to quit certain things. And I think it spoke to me at a time in my career, in my path that I really connected with it. And like, it was funny because uh, I actually was having a president, a conversation with our president and commandant last night on their front porch as I was walking home. Uh, they call me over and, and we were chatting and they were just saying like, they were like, you can't go anywhere because we're about to take off. They were like, in the next next couple of years, things are about to go. Boom. And they were so they were kind of, and I was laughing because I'm thinking about that book. Um, but I found a lot of value in like Seth Godin's books. Um, I think, you know, strength and conditioning wise, there's so many resources out there and so many things like good things going on. I think kind of depends on who you connect with, right? Like podcasts are so readily available i mean i personally love the power athlete guys and then the podcast they put out i've listened to a few of you guys episodes which i've enjoyed podcasts right it can be so easily to digest and get in if you're commute or whatnot um i i still love the in-person events thank goodness we're post-pandemic and we get back to seeing people now so you know i've had a great time going to the conferences that i've been at and I, I enjoy the smaller state level ones where you have a little bit more interaction and kind of connection with people. Um, I'll, I'll be forever. Uh, I joke around, right. That I'm forever uh, immortalized as the NSCA's official spotter in the essentials textbook. So, you know, I'm, I'm available to to sign textbooks whenever people want uh, <laughs> Yeah, my kid, all the students love that when we get to like those sections, they're like, posting Instagram stories of me spotting people in the essentials textbook, but 
Hey, one fun question before we we, sit, we wrap up the show. Um, just a fun question. Coach Caulfield, big old school rap guy. So, <laughs> who's your go-to coach? Old school rap. You got to get your mind right. Good training session for yourself personally. Who's some go-to artists that you got on your playlist? Who you got? Oh, I mean, I'm a big Biggie fan, so I'm Biggie all day. Uh, I go way back though, like KRS-One, Boogie Down Productions. Uh, that's in my. That's definitely in my wheelhouse. Um, you know, and I do. I like the West Coast guys too. So I'm, I'm a big fan of NWA, Z, uh, all those guys that came out of the DOC, the Diggy Diggy Doc, y'all. <laughs> Yeah, when you could understand what they were saying. Yeah, it was musical too. They they took stuff off of uh, you know they sampled cool songs. I I love it. Yeah, good stuff. Anyway, fun fact for Coach Caulfield there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, where where can we find you on social media, Coach? Uh, I, I'm on Instagram more than I should be. At Coach Caulfield is my Instagram handle. So uh, no, that's that's probably the easiest place. I I have. Twitter, but it's mainly just to to watch people complain about what type of squat they're doing most times. <laughs> it's always the squat, <laughs> right? <laughs> you can't ever talk about a different lift. It's nope. always the squat. Nope. <laughs> well, well I, that's it, coach. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's been fun. Um, and yeah, keep up the good work. Yeah, coach, Back. uh special treat, just an honor to have you on uh and that we've been talking about getting you on here for a while. So thanks for being patient. Again, if you don't know Coach Caulfield, please follow him on social media. Um, catch him at a conference. Uh, grab him. Bend his ear a little bit. Definitely social media. His his dog, Alfie, you can follow her too. She's on there. She, she's always using the weight room sessions, which I love. But Coach, uh, thank you so much for what you're doing for us as professionals and just keep uh, making us better. You are you are a true professional and some a man of excellence, and we appreciate you, Coach. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. All right. Well, that's it for the team behind the team this month. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you on next month's episode. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Team Behind the Team podcast. For future episodes, go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. We definitely want to keep having great guests on the show and great content. So if you have a moment, please go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, and let us know how we're doing. I'm Donnie Mabe, and thanks so much for tuning in.